Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome boys and girls to the 268th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We are powered by Epi.net and those sexy, sexy legends over at Audio-Technica. And I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bit. And joining me today, my podcast ride or die, the last podcaster that uh, will be sharing the mic with me for 2021. Actually, I lied because we've decided we're going to do a spoiler cast for Spider-Man before the year breaks. But my favourite podcaster that I share the mics with, you can find around the socials, at Miss Ellie Hart. Miss Ellie Hart, how the bloody hell are you? Emotional rollercoaster right there. Started off with the best, you know, but I'm happy. I'm happy to be here for the last one. I wasn't um, implying that you weren't the best, but it was like when I said the last for the year, I didn't want to lie. And then you see a Spider-Man spoiler cast come out and you go, you know what, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You said I was the last. And now you're out there talking about Spider-Man and, and all the insanity with No Way Home. You've lied to me. You've betrayed my trust. Man, I tell you what, I am sweating bullets with Spider-Man. I still won't be seeing it for a few more days. And y'all on the internet need to simmer down. I don't care how clever you think you are. Your ambiguous posts aren't as creative as you think, right? Like, settle It down. makes my blood boil, Miss Hart. Like, I've watched it. So I don't have to try and dodge these spoilers like Webb. But mm. uh, yeah, it really frustrates me when you see these people where yeah, they try and be the, the smartest person on the internet and they're like, oh, not a da, 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 imply this. And you're like, come on, just, just say I liked the movie. It was great. Broad stroke stuff, non-spoiler, because there's some big things in this movie that you don't want to ruin for everybody. Just yeah. be better. Find a group chat, go to a Discord, something like that, and discuss your ideas out there. It's just this constant need of being the first or the most recent person to kind of say that you've seen something. Yeah. settle. We don't care about your edgelordness, you know. You don't need to be the coolest person on the internet because you're, you're dropping subtle hints for spoilers. Like, don't ruin things for other people. Just, just be happy you watched it and... Be happy you hopefully enjoyed it as much as uh, I have and hopefully Miss Allie Hart does too in the coming days. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But yes, 8-Bit Nation, we are here. This is the last official Hungry Gamers episode for 2021. And uh, we thought we'd ring out the year in style. We're going to be talking about our favourite things of 2021. And the caveat for this is... This is the favorite things that Ali or I have experienced for the first time in 2021. So if you start hearing some things that we've played or read or watched or eaten and you're like, oh, that's been around for years. We're not getting into the nitty gritty like that. It's the first time we've tried it in this past calendar year. So this is first for us. So it might be old for you, but it's exciting for Ali or myself. So, uh, you know, don't, don't break our stride. We've got to keep on moving here. Um, as uh, Ace of Bass, I think, sung that song. Not, not, ain't nothing gonna break my stride. No, oh no, I've ruined. I don't this. know I've, who sang that song, but I've besmirched the good <laughs> name of Ace of Bass. Yeah, if you mm. saw the sign, then you was, you know, or yeah, if I just gotta, all that you wanted was eyes. another baby. God. 
<laughs> I can't remember the next line. Is it no time tomorrow or it's she gone is, tomorrow? She'll be gone tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then whoa, I just remember that part. And then the, nah, 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 nah. nailed it. Yeah. Absolute banger of a track. Apologies to Ace of Bass for just ruining your fantastic '90s hits and also confusing you with another '90s hit. I can imagine. But anyway, we're here. We're talking about the favorite things in our respective lives that we've encountered for the first time in 2021. And um, you know what? We are the hungry gamers after all, Miss Hart. So maybe we should start about the favorite things that we've eaten or consumed in 2021 for the first time. So Miss Hart, Mm. did you want to start us off? Yeah. um, So I've had the... Living in America, you know, their big thing that they love to enjoy is barbecue. And I've had to explain to a few people that barbecue in Australia is a different thing and a more regular concept. But over here, it seems like barbecue is like a kind of more of a special occasion, a very, you know, extravagant affair. Um, And I've had, I've tried a bit of barbecue here and there and it's been fine. Like there's a lot of like, there's, I don't like when like charcoal like when people really charcoal food, I really hate mm-hmm. that taste. Um, but this year, by pure luck, tried out a place in the area and um, uh, my husband told me about burnt ends. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. Like, sounds like the worst thing ever. Anyway, tried it. Oh, my goodness. It is like the best part of a Sunday roast when you get mm-hmm. the cooked, fatty, meaty part at the end and this place serves it in abundance and it's classified as the offcuts. So burnt ends is like my new favorite thing. It is crazy. When they're done right, they're just about one of the best things you could put in your mouth. Full stop. End of yep. the episode. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, they're, they're great and they're really hard to perfect. Like, as Miss Hart said, it's sort of the the edgings or the the offcuts of like a brisket. You usually sort of, once the brisket's done, you can sort of cook these beyond to make them nice, crunchy, but also like gooey, tender on the inside, just mm-hmm. edible bites of amazingness. And as an amateur barbecuer myself, it is tough, tough to perfect. I haven't perfected burnt end. I can make them okay. But when you go to a place that knows what they're doing and nails it, it is ridiculously tasty yeah and like with um the sauce that goes with it as well it's just amazing i never thought that i would like really get into barbecue because i always thought people were kind of you know maybe like over hyping it a little bit but no the the hype is justified obviously Mm. when done right so burnt ends is one of my favorite things that i've eaten and the second thing that is one of my favorite things that I've eaten, which is very recent. It also coincided with a very good event of a very gamer game being released. Halo came out. They were doing like very specific or Halo and Call of Duty, sorry, came out. And, you know, with these games were specific codes. Like you buy this product, get codes and everything. Um, And I believe with Call of Duty, it was Doritos. I hate corn chips. I really don't like corn chips. I don't like Doritos unless it had melted cheese on top of it. Um, but then a purchase of Cool Ranch Doritos was made. Like, all right, I'll try it. You know, I, I doubt I like it. Seems like a good majority of the gaming sphere love it, but I'll try it. I really like them. They're really, really good. They remind me of pizza shapes. So yeah, they've got a bit of taste to that, and they're like they sort of almost taste refreshing to me. Like because they've got that 
like that ranch you don't get a like a massive ranch hit Mm. But it's got just this softer, smoother taste for a corn chip, and you can just smack a pack, smack a pack. in no time at all. And I'm still so surprised that you don't like corn chips. That's I that's really like don't. like hey. that's that's up there. Like when I say that I don't like mashed potato, like when you say corn chips, like I don't think I've ever met someone that like if we if we went to a Mexican restaurant, they had like guac and some corn chips. You wouldn't go at it because you don't like the chips. Well. It depends on the chips. Like now that I've had really good like chips over here with mm-hmm. with guac, I wouldn't go and pick it up and then eat it as is. Like I said, with Doritos, if you melted some cheese on it and then, you know, had a side of guac, then I'd eat them. But just people who just straight just ate them as is, I couldn't oh, understand mean. it. I thought it was the worst. So You, you need some type of connective um, substance some kind to of these binding, chips. You yeah. need a dip or a salsa. Or a guac, but you couldn't oh, just I, smack a packet of CCs I don't like salsa. or you don't like salsa. No. Wow, the things you learn even after all these years, listeners. My goodness. Yeah. And bye here bye. I am getting beaten up on the streets verbally about mashed potato all the time, and we've got the the corn chip salsa assassin over here that is just uh, killing me today. I mean, killing me today. You're telling someone with an Irish bloodline that you don't like mashed potatoes. I mean, yeah, you've got to expect it. You've had people out there that have been in your, you know, your side of the ring. So, but I mean, this course from the Irish. That's true. That's true. I'm, I'm spitting on the, the good name of the potato. <laughs> your family's there shaking fists angrily at me, mm. but uh, two very good things. Yeah, I, I would recommend trying to hunt down some Cool Ranch Doritos if you can. They're, they're not usually... Here in Australia, in the Coles and the Woolies and such, sometimes IGA does. But if you see one of those like Americana snack hubs that are around where they put like prices up by 5,000%, uh, usually you'll find some Cool Ranch in there. (laughs) Beside a a box of Lucky Charms that are like $15, you'll find some Cool Ranch Doritos. But uh, yeah, they're well worth seeking out because they are a nice, delicious chip. And I I do get the... uh, the pizza shape comp as far as that texture. I oh, want not yeah. texture, but the taste. And it even has like the little colored green and red sprinkles on it too. So, mm. yum. What about I you? Want Doritos. What are mm. your favorite things that you consumed this year? <sighs> well, I've I eat many things all the time, so I had to try and narrow this down to things that I haven't tried. And mm-hmm. I thought I'd um, I thought I'd focus in. Like anyone that's been listening the last few months knows that uh, I've embarked on a big old life change in the last uh, quarter of 2021 where I've uh, packed up my stuff, grabbed the dogs and uh, skipped south, went from Queensland down to Victoria and now I'm a resident of Melbourne out of lockdown for now. Touch wood that that stays the same with this new uh, Transformer variant. But uh, you know what? I'm down here in Melbourne, I'm settled and I've been just trying to explore and find new food haunts like i pride myself on my food knowledge and knowing all the good places to recommend so i've just been dabbling every god that's gonna make me sound so bad but when i first moved down every couple of days i was trying something new and like no that's not a that's not a healthy way to live people you know moderation is key but uh there was none of that when i first moved down but uh luckily where i am i'm um in coburg which is it's about eight k's out of the city so i've got this massive big blanket we're sort of like north northeast of the city you could say or maybe straight north i don't know i'm terrible with geography but where i'm in this 8 8k radius in that hub that encompasses like brunswick which is 
pub, bar, restaurant, cafe, central. Mm -hmm. So everything from there delivers. So I've just been sort of going through this hit list one by one. And uh, one of the first things I tried was a place called 300 Grams. And it's a burger joint. Literally found out that it's like one kilometer up the road. So now I just go up and pick it up. It's deadly. But they do super simple burgers, smash patty style. Uh, so nice, thin, uh, thin meat patties. Really fresh, simple ingredients. They do like a cheeseburger, a beef and bacon burger, a chicken burger, and then like a fish burger, and then chips and stuff like that. But they're so tasty. They're so fresh. And they do a Biscoff shake. Like Biscoff... I know if it's the same with you in America, Miss Hart, but Biscoff is just like shot to the moon here in Australia the last 12 months. Like no one knew what it was and now it's just in everything. You know, Biscoff shakes, Biscoff cakes, Biscoff slices. Really? I I doubt even half the people buy the Biscoff biscuits themselves or the spread. I've got the spread in the the cupboard. I've got a smooth and a crunchy Biscoff. dangerous. Oh, yeah. I just get a spoon just occasionally. I don't put it on anything. I just put it on a spoon into my mouth and it is so good. But... uh, 300 grams is just simple, old-fashioned, good burgers. And it's so delicious. And the fact it's up the road, Dangerous. it's bad news, but good yeah. news. Yeah. So that's that's my first uh, food wreck as far as favorite things I've eaten for the first time in 2021. The other one that I wanted to shout out is a place called Fat, which is fried and tasty. Okay. It's in Brunswick. And they do, you know, chicken burgers, fried chicken all the other sides, and it's just a hell of a time. Picture, like, KFC on steroids, really, as far as the the food. Like, anyone that's been... Did you ever go to Clem's Chicken in Sydney, Miss Hart, in Newtown? I don't think so. It doesn't ring a bell. It's got that... So, it's got that southern fried taste. Okay. So, if you've had southern fried chicken, it's got that vibe to it, but it's just delicious. The burgers are great. The sides are delicious. The gravy... It's like that proper homemade gravy, nice and thick cloudy. and flavoursome and yeah. cloudy. And just, but it's so good. Another one that's... This one's about 3Ks from my house. So I can drive there or I just get it delivered when I'm being lazy. And the last one I wanted to shout out as far as favourite things I've eaten is a random little uh, donut truck that I stumbled across in Brunswick when I was trying to uh, trying to get my iPhone 13 uh, during during lockdown, which was a whole nother debacle, but mm. it's called Barclays, Barclays Hot Jam Donuts. Tiny little unassuming, little white uh, caravan-y box thing just out the front of the mall. All they do is jam donuts, but they are probably the best jam donut I think I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. You are like yeah. quite the donut connoisseur as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a big, big... Uh... So they they serve donuts out of a caravan. Yeah, yeah. So it might be like you could say more. It's maybe like one of those demountable sheds. Like it's just oh, a little little box. Okay. They've got their their little um, deep fryers in there. It's a tiny little thing. Like you'd fit maybe three people in it at most. Big insurance. But, yeah. Deep fryers. All they there. do. All they do. <laughs> it's, it's good to know. If I ever need to get a caravan, I know that I'm going to be prepared for insurance costs. Useless facts from previous work. Sorry, carry on. It's beneficial. You need to be aware of these things. Anyone mm. that wants to get into the, the food truck world, they mm. need to know that there is premiums for these things. So uh, maybe reach out to Miss Hardy if you need some more advice on that. Or don't. But uh, yeah, Barclays Hot Jam Donuts. Uh, these things, they're like palm of your hand size, little fluffy clouds with like homemade strawberry jam in them. Perfect amount of icing sugar over the top. 
cooked hot and fresh in front of you. So mm. you're never getting ones that have been sitting there from the morning. And they're so cheap. To get a baker's dozen, it's nine bucks. Okay. Which in like in America, that's probably par for the course or a bit overpriced. But here in Australia, you know, everything is ridiculous. Like to get four pink glazed ice rings from Donut King, for example, that is $16. Mm-hmm. But to get a baker's dozen of these little jammies, nine bucks. And it's just the best. And I'm going to go there over the weekend because I'm going to go to Kmart, which is where this little hub is. So I'm going to get another another little box of these and uh, be very happy. Man, donuts are like one of those things where it's like on any occasion, I don't want a donut. But the second donut is mentioned, like a donut is mentioned or you kind of see one, that's when it triggers. That's when you're mm-hmm. like, I have to have a donut. Now I really, really want a donut. Maybe you could get some donuts this weekend too. Maybe I could. Maybe. Pink glaze or jam. I don't want ones where there's like 16 Snickers bars stacked on top. I don't yes. want these big ones that I everyone does those. these days. I Piss hate off those. with that. Yeah, just keep it simple with your uh, maple. Yeah. Yeah, just simple is better. The kiss method, people. For most things in life. Keep it simple, stupid. All right, so that's the things we've eaten or consumed this year for a first time. Miss Hart, maybe, maybe we'll jump into uh, favourite things we've read because mm. we've, uh, we've read some books this year. Yeah, we, we actually read some books. It was um, it's, a, it's, it's new for me. Uh, I, <laughs> like, I really don't read normally. Um, I always found it quite <laughs> time-wasting. Movies and books, I find time-wasting. That's hilarious. Very uncultured. Um, but lucky for me i found like a whole category of things that i actually do enjoy reading and lo and behold it's really screwed up things um so the first book i'm going to recommend <laughs> is tender is the flesh by augustina Basteresia. it's a uh, a book uh set in a kind of dystopian i believe it's like a future where um, we no longer can consume animals because there was like a virus bacterial thing. So society has set the normality of eating humans. Um, but it's the whole book is kind of going through the experience of like the consumption of humans and like the main character that you follow kind of like works in the abattoir where humans are turned into meat kind of thing. And it's wow, okay. There's this whole underlining story as well where, like, you know, it's like a morality thing and kind of experiencing it from this person's angle and his struggles and everything like that. Um, great twist at the end. Um, I, it definitely caught me. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought a message was really well conveyed. And I think the person who wrote the book really set up that really screwed up scenario very well. So I actually really enjoyed that one. So that one's called Tender is the Flesh. And my second book is called Wounds, Six Stories from the Border of Hell, done by Mason Pellegrin. I sense uh, I sense some themes here, some consistencies across these books. They're very interesting. Um, but wounds- luckily, we don't have this this episode set as kid friendly. That's for sure, because they not be sleeping tonight hearing about these books. You gotta learn sometime. Um, wounds is like, as it said, six stories, um, and they're all kind of like got like a like sort of link to like hell and hellish landscapes and hellish creatures and everything like that. It was actually a really good read. Um, there were some stories that stood out more than others, but um, overall, just like going through the book, it was actually really enjoyable. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was scary, scary, um, but there was some good kind of like horrorish kind of. Uh, 
elements to it. Maybe it would be scary. Maybe I'm desensitized, but um, I did enjoy that book. It was a good read. Do you think um, Tender is the Flesh will ever get adapted to the screen? Do you think it would? Like, it sounds like the themes that it that it goes into and probably some of the very horrific they would, imagery. They would, yeah, they would have to dumb it down. Like, think, I'm trying to think what's the most, like, gruesome movie that I've ever seen and saying that it's worse. Like, I'm thinking, like, host- remember when we talked about Hostel and how graphic mm-hmm. that was at times? Like, I, this would have to be more graphic. Actually, I don't think they could. They would have to take a lot out of there because there is some, there is some pretty disturbing things in there. Cause- yeah, but people love that stuff too. There might be a yeah, indie de- um indie producer or writer or director out there that wants to tackle this thing and uh, bring it to the screen and just make people feel very uncomfortable and very disgusted and very sick. I don't, I don't, I don't think they should. But a good mm. book. Yeah, if you do want to watch some, some, some modern day cannibalism, check out Raw if you want a good, uh, good horror film to do with uh, eating people. That is uh, really well done. And there, there's some things in there that will... Uh, Leave you feeling very uncomfortable, but uh, yeah, I've I've read a fair few books this year, but I just wanted to highlight the one book or the series, I guess you could say, that sort of impacted me in the in the most way, and that's the Kingkiller Chronicle. So mm-hmm. it's it's part of a, a trilogy by uh, Patrick Rothfuss, uh, who has released the first two books, which is The Name of the Wind and then The Wise Man's Fear in 07 and then twenty eleven. The Doors of Stone is the third book. There's still no date on this as to when it's coming out. Um, it's very much, yeah, TBD as far as, yeah, just just wait and see and hope for the best. And, yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's a fantasy trilogy. It's got that high fantasy vibe. Not not on Earth. It's, it's an alternate sort of uh, Earth-esque type of place where you're thrown into the life of a man named Koth. And uh, he's just this sort of magic wielding mythological dude. Like he, he, he's grown up and had so many stories and so many things um, happen to this, this young fellow that, yeah, he's become this, this myth, this uh, larger than life character, but then he sort of just faded away into this simple life as an innkeeper. Yeah. So there's sort of like this scribe and him working together to retell, retell his story as how he became in air quotes, the King killer. And, uh, yeah, what happened in there as far as where he was a wandering musician, notorious arcanist or a wizard, if you want to call him that. And, um, yeah, it just weaves in all these characters and these stories and these worlds that uh, that Quaff was part of. And it's just so well done. And Patrick Rothfuss, the way he writes books, it's just, it's almost poetic as far as how he describes things and, um, you know, explains characters and the dialogue that they have between each other. Like, it's a very accessible uh, trilogy, well, two-thirds of the trilogy to get into, but it's just overflowing with great characters and great stories, and the stakes keep getting raised, and just trying to work out how this man came to be is so great, and I cannot wait for the third. Uh, He did just sneak a release of the prologue for Doors of Stone out this past week, so uh, I'm excited, but I just want that third book because I smashed these two books back to back in the space of uh, in the space of about a week and a bit. A lot big of pages, books. yeah. <laughs> They're, not like They're very very thick books, but um, 
it just sunk its hooks into me. It was one of those things where I'm just like, I need it all. I need to know everything about this world. I want it all now. And it's smashed it through. So I'm hoping that uh, Mr. Rothfuss doesn't keep us waiting for too long and we can get into that third, I guess, an asterisk final book because there has been rumors where he's like, oh, I could make this like a larger story. You could pad this out to a fourth book. So it's like, oh, but I just want more of the, uh, the King Killer Chronicle by uh, Patrick Rothfuss as far as things I've read. Plenty of other things, but that franchise or that series stood out well above everything else. So hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's my wreck there. Maybe maybe we'll start moving into things that we've watched this year, Miss Hart. So uh, what is on your list of uh, favorite things of 2021 that you have watched for the first time? Spoilers, not a lot of movies. Um, <laughs> no I'm, one is surprised about that. You, you want to hear, like, so the only movie... <laughs> The only movie that I really have that I actually like enjoyed that I kind of like watched this year that came to mind was um, I actually watched uh, Apocalypse Now for the first time um, and it was like some special edition kind of like enhanced edition or something like that. So it actually was um, kind of zhuzhed up and I've heard references to it enough. So I kind of understood like a lot of a lot of points of it, but this was like the first time watching it. And it's actually really good. I understand why it's kind of... Um, why it's held such a high esteem in the cinema world and just how like screwed up some of these characters are and the overall like theatrics of like especially like the explosions and destruction and stuff like that and like the artistic um camera work as well that was kind of set up so I kind of get that um and low-key Suicide Squad, but I'm assuming we're both probably going to talk about that Yeah, one, that's so. that's on my list too. We can tackle uh, that together now if yeah. you want it or later. Whatever. Yeah. whatever. We're fast and loose around here today. Suicide Squad was the one movie that I knew I had to make time for because there was a lot riding on it for me. Being a DC villain fan, um, there was, it, was, it was a big one. And also being a person that doesn't necessarily poo-poo the other Suicide Squad movie. So, um, you know, I, I was looking forward to watching this one because I watched this one at home. And yeah, it lived up to the expectation. It was really good. I was really happy with that one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'll sort of just quickly jump in on the back of that with my Suicide Squad thoughts. And uh, yeah, I, I feel it righted all the wrongs from that first Suicide Squad. I know you're a bit of a apologist for it. You're a bit of a fan of the original. It's not terrible. It's watchable. Yeah, but that's it's a low action. bar. It's what an is it like? Film. like? Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Maybe I'm a bit too harsh on it right now, but just seeing where the first Suicide Squad was and how the Suicide Squad came to be, and James Gunn just doing get James Gunn things with this fantastic cast, yeah, these fantastic characters that are all realized and given adequate screen time. Asterisks on that because obviously things happen fairly swiftly in that movie, but. Uh, it's really, really good. Like, uh, you know, the 8-Bit Nation agrees it did win our Movie of the Year award in the 2021 Biddies. And uh, yeah, it's up there for me. It's it's one of the best movies that I've seen in 2021. And I'm excited for Peacemaker coming out in middle of January. And maybe uh, Suicide Squad 2 or just more offshoots for some of these other anti-heroes or former villains or pure villains whatever you want to classify them as i'm excited to see more of this world and i just hope that james gunn's dna stays throughout because yes. i really love what he put on screen yeah i agree that's my biggest concern is that we don't venture too far away now from that because uh, you know hollywood they get really horny when things go well and then they just you know start making offshoots and it just, just gets really really bad 
Um, TV wise, uh, I never hear anyone else talk about this show, but um, F is for Family, their final season happened this year and it was a great way to finish off the show. Um, it's very underrated. Bill Burr, who's the comedian, it's his show. He voices the main character and it's like a family, you know, family sitcom, but it's just like, it's really harsh. Like it's Bill Burr. So it's like a lot of swearing and a lot of, they really um, cancel out those happy family moments. Um, it's not like Family Guy. It's not like, you know, like that sort of thing. It's kind of more along the sitcom route, but mm-hmm. just really fucked up. So if anyone has a chance to watch Ephesus Family, um, give it a go. You might enjoy it. Um, the other one I watched was Eastbound and Down. I kind of mentioned this on the podcast already. I had no interest in this show. It actually looked stupid to me, but lo and behold, it fucking got its hooks into me. And I was <laughs> I was there like hoping for Kenny Powers to succeed in the end, even though he is a horrible person. Uh, Narcos Mexico. Um, that's great. Um, I haven't watched any of the other Narcos, but um, watched the Mexican one and it's actually really, really good. Um, and it really helps having someone nearby that's able to explain it all and like locations and everything. So I guess I get that extra beneficial experience. Schmigadoon, which was the Apple um, TV series, yep, yep. Um, which is uh, a joke on kind of musicals. Uh, that was that was quite surprising and I enjoyed that, but I do enjoy a good musical. Uh, Crime Scene Kitchen, uh, which I got you to watch as well. Um, Damn straight. Stupid, stupid, fun cooking show. Uh, always love a good cooking show. And then that one just took it to a weird angle. And uh, thanks to Joel McHale, it uh, it worked. It was it was palatable. It really did. Like like we've gushed about Crime Scene Kitchen on on many an episode now. And yeah, it, it's on my list as far as favorite things of the year. It was just unexpected to to blend the worlds of a competitive cooking or baking show with the the insanity of a csi mm-hmm. you think how's this going to work but it does and it does really well and i hope we get a second season yeah and then to kind of also jump onto that as well um there was also a show from netflix called bake squad and that was also great um another cooking show but it's less competitive in the sense that it's just four chefs making a dessert for a one person special event and you know they they there's no competitiveness to it, and if it is, it's all just a joke. So I do enjoy a good show where um, the competitive nature is taken out of it. I mean, the British baking show proves that that Great works. British Bake Off? Yeah. Well, no, it has yeah. to be called the British Baking Show now. Oh, really? Or something like that. Yeah, they had to change the name. Oh. God, see, I'm not, I'm not up to date on the later seasons. But, just finished uh, the last one. Do um, love it. Do love me some Bake Off. Some of the hosts that they have on, on various seasons... I love a little less than others, but uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. I, I'm a sucker for a good baking show. Same. Mm. It's literally food porn. It really is. It really is. And speaking of food porn, I'll be uh, getting into that shortly. But maybe, maybe I'll start with uh, with my my TV stuff to just sort of jump on the back of that there. And I wanted to first shout out Arcane, which uh, obviously only just came out a couple of weeks ago on Netflix. Absolutely adored it. I'm not going to dwell too much on it. We do have a spoiler cast available right here on the Hungry Gamers RSS feed. So go give that a a listen after you're done checking out this episode if you haven't already. Uh, Spoiler free for I think the first 50 minutes. Then after that we go full spoilers, NATO and myself. But uh, Arcane, one of the best animated shows that I've seen in years. Just loved the cast, loved the story, loved the voice acting. 
Love that animation style and the soundtrack that came on the back of that too. Fantastic television. I've bundled all the Marvel Disney Plus shows together as far as favorite things I've watched. Like it started, obviously we got WandaVision, then it was followed by Captain America and the Winter Soldier or, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't know if I just gave away some spoilers there, sorry. Uh, and then also Loki and now uh, Hawkeye. We've got the finale coming uh, next week for Hawkeye. And boy, howdy, am I excited for, for these universes to continue to be built out, whether it be future seasons or through future films. Uh, episode five of Hawkeye that dropped this week has just been part of this delicious, tasty dessert sundae that I've been consuming for the better part of seven days now. Like it started last week when I got to watch Ghostbusters Afterlife and then this week, not only getting uh, episode five of Hawkeye, which was brilliant, but also then Spider-Man No Way Home and then The Witcher Season 2, all within a, a calendar of seven days has just got me so overstimulated it is not funny. Resident Evil didn't uh, sit in the power. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like uh that's that's the bite that I sort of didn't enjoy. Maybe there was like a a bit of popsicle stick in that bite or something. I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's 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 that." Which which makes me sad. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, going back to ain't nothing going to break my stride. That did not break my stride this week because all these other good things outweighed that very average Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City movie. And um, yeah, The Witcher Season 2 only dropped last night, but I've binged the whole second season and it's more Witcher, I guess, which is a... I don't know if it's the best way to describe it, but if you enjoyed Season 1, I think you're going to enjoy and then some Season 2. The the storyline... Uh, is a little less convoluted. Like in the first one, there was a lot of time jumps. They were sort of jumping past, present, future type of thing a lot, which could be a little confusing for people that maybe hadn't watched the games or read the books, Mm -hmm. where season two is a little bit more of a linear path, less flashbackies and things, which is great. And the cast is phenomenal where they take it and where they go with some of the the stories that they, they... showcase on the screen is awesome and i'm so hyped but now i'm also sad because i'm like now i've got nothing nothing to watch i don't have any more witcher to watch now until i don't know 2024 i don't know which makes me sad it's gonna be a while yeah but it's really really good so uh do yourselves a favor and check that out on netflix as far as movies uh i touched on two of those there oh we spoke about the suicide squad but yeah spider-man no way home i think it's my favorite movie i've watched all year Oh, wow. It is so, so, so good. Not going to go into spoilers. I'm not going to get clever and imply <laughs> anything or you know, try and be too smart and, and give away things without giving away things. But the casting's awesome. The writing's great. The pacing's fantastic. There's heart. There's humor. There's action. There's just It's just a good movie in every sense of the word. And even though it goes for over two hours, it doesn't feel long. It's like it's got a good pace and I just love everything about it and I cannot wait to talk to more people about this movie once they've watched it because it's very, very special. I am looking forward to it. It's had such a good, um, like everyone's said like amazing things about it. So I am looking forward to watching this one. It should be good. Yeah. Yep. And uh, something else that was good that I touched on a second ago, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. As a, as a Ghostbusters tragic who grew up 
with the movies and the games and the toys and the animated show and the obsession to actually want to rename myself Peter Venkman as a kid. Uh, my mum never let me, which I'm still probably a little salty about to this day. Maybe I can do it now. I can legally change my name. Technically, you could, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Bill Murray is his own thing. You know, not many people can do what Bill Murray does. But anyway, Ghostbusters Afterlife is in that similar discussion that I just had with Spider-Man where it's just fun, it's enjoyable, there's heart, there's a lot of touchstones to the original two movies mm. and the casting's great. Uh, I really like everything about this movie and I'm excited if they do decide to try and expand this universe with these characters they've introduced us to. I'm excited to watch more of that. But if this is like a one and done... I'm even more happy because it was just so, so, uh, it was handled with so much care. Yeah. Like the source material and the characters and it was just very respectful and very endearing and just really emotional and I was just smiling from ear to ear with both Ghostbusters and Spider-Man. Like it felt like I was transported back to being a kid and it was just so fun and so great and phenomenal films. And the last one I'll quickly touch on is Dune which is now available finally around the globe. Really great, like completely yeah. different tonally to these other movies we've talked about. But Denis Villeneuve is just a sci-fi savant. Anything this man puts to screen is usually not only a work of art visually, but the storytelling is great. The casting is great. And they've done the this book justice and they've also, I guess, righted some of the wrongs from the original film adaptation from the 80s. And I just cannot wait for part two to see what they do. And it's just a feast. If you can go watch this on the big screen, it is very, very special. Like it's so artistic and just stunning to see. The pacing comparative to those other movies we've been talking about, it's night and day. It's a bit more slow and a bit more dramatic and and world building because this universe is so big. But holy moly, can I not wait for Dune Part 2. I can't remember if they confirmed if it's coming out next year. If it is, I'm very happy. But if I've got to wait another year, I'll be a bit sad. You might have to wait another year. God damn it. Should be used to delays by now. This is what this whole year has been uh, building us up for. Like, thick as skin for delays. That's true. That's true. And uh, the the last but certainly not least topic or segment I wanted to touch on as far as things I've been watching, Miss Hart, is the Brendan White, a.k.a. Peter Venkman anime hour. We're going to be calling it here. I'm not going to be talking about this for an hour. But uh, I just wanted to shout out to... A select few series that uh, I've watched slash discovered this year in my reintroduction to the anime world. Mm -hmm. So the first one is Bofuri, which is uh, done by a studio called uh, Silver Link. And it's focusing on this character named Maple. Uh, a lot of these, well, yeah, just about all of these shows are set in sort of that high fantasy uh, world. I'm a, I'm a big anime fantasy fiend, I've realised. And, yeah. and this one, it follows this girl like so... A lot of them, um, uh, isekai, where maybe it's it's a human person that's dropped into a fantasy world. But this one, she she's playing uh, an MMO, and um, you know she jumps on to play with a friend, and she doesn't want to get hurt. So what she decides to do is just max out her defense. So all she does is put all her skill points every time she levels into the defensive skill tree, and she becomes pretty much um, off the back of this like the strongest character in this game in in history. It's very endearing. It's very heartfelt. A lot of nice and comedic. Uh, it doesn't sort of lean like a lot of these shows and a lot of anime I've watched this year. 
You know, you get a lot of sexual undertones and a lot of just unnecessary smut thrown in, it feels like, a lot of fan servicey things. This one yeah. steers clear of that for pretty much the whole time. I can't really think of anything that was a bit like, oh. But um, it's just nice and nice and full of heart. And there's only only one season out at the moment, but I cannot wait for season two. I think it might be coming out in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> Uh, the the next one I've just put these in alphabetical order, but this one probably hit me the hit me the biggest, and that's Food Wars. Uh, multiple seasons available. There's some on Netflix, then the rest of it's on Crunchyroll. Depending on if you're looking for sub and dub, it's a whole thing. Uh, if you need some guidance, message me because it was a journey I went on. But Food Wars, done by JC staff, follows uh, Yukihara Soma and uh, Nakiri Erina as the two primary characters, and it's a show like picture anime Iron Chef. I guess is the best way to describe this yeah. show. But uh, there's also uh, heavy heavy references to, I guess, foodgasms. You know, anyone that's eaten a good meal has probably had a foodgasm or two in their day. And uh, it leans fully into that. Like, these people are making these magical meals that just blow people's minds apart and their clothes apart off them as well. It's all, it's all like suggested news like you don't see anything like there's always things hold like hiding nipples and, and groin areas and things like that but it's just it's so great the tone of this show is so good like, i know it didn't hit for you like no. i think you've watched an episode and you were just like nah. i wasn't vibing with it um but i maybe i will give it a, another try because a lot of people do hold it with high regard so maybe i will try it again it's really good. It's really good, and and the outside of the comedic foodgasms, there is a there is a good story here, and and some good plot threads, and some big reveals, and some big high stakes moments. But yeah, just picture picture Iron Chef anime for several seasons with a bit of heart and some comedic flair thrown in, and that's Food Wars, and it's so good. Uh, the next one, is it wrong to try and pick up girls in a dungeon? A.K.A. Dan Marshy. This one. I, I'm really sad about the name of this anime more than anything, I think, because that name implies that it's going to be this sleazy, fan service just, uh, you know... Romantic. Yeah, and, and, like, there is some romance in it, but it's not like this person's just going into a dungeon to try and pick up women. Like, it's it's focusing on this <clears throat> this lowly character named Bel Cronell in this fantasy world where he's he wants to become an adventurer and become a, a hero. And so it's about him working his way through these dungeons and it's got those game mechanics where you level up and you get new skills and that type of thing. Yeah. And it's just so heartfelt just seeing this 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 little guy who who starts as nothing and, and he's very underpowered and he's fighting his way through everything to start to establish a bit of dominance and get a bit of rep and then his little little crew builds out and uh, you know, he's got his got like each one of these adventurer groups that they form, they have to be aligned with a god. And these gods are, are living creatures, and and he's aligned to, I guess, the not the worst, but like the the lesser of all the gods. Like Lady Hestia is her name, and I guess she's sort of like one of the the B grade gods or the D grade gods. And just seeing their little group start to build up and ascend, and and get some clout amongst these adventurer groups, while this Bell Cronell, who's so pure of heart, this little fella, and he's got so much fight, just works his way through these dungeons and the stakes that escalate with that. I've uh, got three seasons. Uh, we've also got two movies, and then we've got a standalone offshoot focusing on one other female group uh, from uh, from Dan Marshy that you can check out. There's a fourth season coming, which I cannot wait for. But uh, yeah, it's really good, really, really good. Uh, the next one I'll jump on Konosuba 
it's another one of these isekai fan servicey ones where characters uh, are in the fantasy realm and this one guy he dies gets pulled into into this world I'm also wearing a uh, Konosuba t-shirt got me full weave status here but uh, it's it's another it does get a bit fan servicey as far as some of the the sexual innuendos and, and uh, imagery and, and the, the random focusing on boobs a lot, as a lot of these shows do, or like underpants and all this stuff, which gets a bit unnecessary. But this one's a bit more lighthearted, a bit more tongue-in-cheek, a little bit more slapsticky, yeah. and it's it's really good, really good, really fun to watch. I've got a I've got a type. I've realised. Yeah, it's sounding like it. <laughs> I've got a type, and and the next one. Uh, in that fantasy world, The Rising of the Shield Hero. I know Limo in the chat's a big fan of this one too. This is following that same archetype. People from our world has been transported into this fantasy world to to save this place. But what happens with um with the character now Fumi, who's the who's the lead of this? He gets done dirty right from the jump, where people frame him and him pretty much say this guy tried to sexually assault this princess. That he's a bad guy. So he straight away he's gone from this hero group to you're a piece of shit, get out of here, everyone hates you, no one wants to deal with you. So it's not only him being a hero in air quotes, but dealing with society believing he's like a rapist, but also the fact that all these other heroes get given, like there's a sword hero, there's a bow and arrow hero, and then he's got a shield. So like, you know, what can you do to attack with a shield? So he's a defensive type of dude. So he's not only trying to fight these creatures on this planet to save it, but also he can't fight because he's a defensive type of dude. So he's trying to work with that. And he's also then dealing with society being against him. So it's a bit more humanized as far as some of the themes. Yeah. It's a bit more grounded. I know it's high fantasy and there's creatures and stuff, but it's a bit more grounded as far as the tone compared to the other ones. And it's, it's good. It's divisive, but it's good. Miss Hart's like, oh, that one's not for me. No, like very consistent type of anime. You like? Yeah, yeah. But this next one, very unlike the others. I watched this just recently on Netflix called Violet Evergarden. Mm-hmm. So it sort of follows on from World War Two, or like in this other world, I guess, a World War Two. So it's sort of set in the in the fifties, and this girl Violet Evergarden. Uh, was sort of like a, a weapon in the war for for this group of people. The war's over now, and she doesn't know what to do. Like she's lost her art, like she's been severely damaged in in this war attack at the end, and so she ends up joining this group where they're they're writing like letters for people, like whether it be war heroes and survivors, or writing letters to the family members who have deceased. So she she travels around as part of this group and writes stories and letters for people as far as it could be um, this person could be on his deathbed and writing a letter or a, a, a nice will for his family or someone writing a letter to their long lost love and all this kind of stuff so it's each episode sort of a bottle episode but there's an overarching story with Violet Evergarden as she I guess tries to come back to humanity after being in the war and being very cold and hardened but it's so touching and so cute and sweet and sad and emotional seeing just these little episodes of, of not only these people's struggles and trying to convey their feelings to their loved ones, but also seeing her realize how this sort of weaves and relates to her life. And mm. it's gorgeous. Couple, I think there's only two seasons on Netflix, but there's a couple of movies as well that they've done. Okay, It's been out a couple of years, but it's, it's really nice. Really touching stuff. And uh, 
made me feel all the feels. But Miss Hart, listeners, I'm sorry if I put you to sleep or infuriated you all with my anime rants. But uh, yeah, it's my favorite anime of 2021. Animates. Animates. Ooh, is that the podcast we're going to release? You, you and me, we're going to do an anime show? Oh, yeah, because of my extensive uh, love for anime. <laughs> I can talk about all the old ones I watched. I can talk about that. We could do that. We could do that. A lot of that stuff's evergreen content. Oh. I don't know. Some people would uh, beg the differ. Or they'll be... Or, or, I don't know. I don't know if a lot of the anime I used to watch is uh, held in any kind of high regard. What one? Shout, throw one out there. I mean, I there was an anime podcast that I got to be on. A plus anime. NATO. Um, and I got to talk about one of my favorites, which was Excel Saga. Sorry. I had water in my mouth. I, I didn't mind Excel Saga. Oh, yeah. I didn't mind. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of weird ones out there. So, but yeah, I just don't consume it as much. I like my hero. My hero is good. My hero is really good. Mm. As is Demon. Oh, I didn't even put Demon Slayer on the list. I'm sorry, Demon Slayer. You're on the list too, as far as my favorite anime. And season two is out now, but I'm still impatiently waiting for those episodes of Dub. And Limo says he'll do an anime show with me. There you let's, go. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk. Animates. I like that. Is that already a podcast? I wouldn't Maybe. Know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm not looking mm, for it. Need, need to need to reach out to our, our fellow weebs and see. But Miss Hart, Animates is a great name. We need we need to uh we need to bookmark and, and copyright that ASAP. But before we do Let's maybe talk about the favorite things we've played. Now, we've got a nice bookend here. We started with the hungry. We're ending with the gamers. So, Miss Hart, what is some of the stuff that you wanted to mention as far as favorite games you've played in 2021 for the first time? I am going to scream it from the mountaintops. Psychonauts 2 is like my game of the year. It's my favorite game that... It's a game that has had such an impact on me that I haven't experienced in a long time with video games. Um, So I am going to keep telling people to play Psychonauts 2. Got absolutely, you know, snubbed in the Game Awards. So, um, yeah, everyone out there, when you have the chance to play Psychonauts 2, definitely give it a go. It's a great game, great story, great art style, um, great everything, and like it's perfectly well-rounded to me. So um, I just think it's... Definitely, if even if you don't think it's your style of game, because I definitely thought it wasn't my type of game, and look at me. Um, so definitely try it out. Yeah, look at me. Look uh, at me. Look at me. Um, my second one is I went from a person that never played a Halo. Never played a Halo. Um, that is thanks to a guy in my ninth grade uh, ancient history class um, who raved about Halo and said Halo is the greatest game of all time and no other game could compare. And it really wasn't up for discussion. So I went, you know what? F Halo. Um, and I hadn't played Halo for like the longest time and didn't touch it. I did buy Master Chief Collection, but we all remember how nasty that release mm-hmm. went. So then I still hadn't played any Halo. And then thankfully with the Halo multiplayer that came out, I think I've almost played it every single day since it's been out. I love it. It is so great. Uh, I've mentioned before, it reminds me of like Unreal Tournament when I used to play Unreal Tournament way back when. Um, it has the same kind of fast paced vibe to it. Um, same kind of like gameplay, uh, gun handling and just modes as well. So I've absolutely loved um, Halo multiplayer. Have you dropped any cash on Halo yet? No, I Have haven't. You bought I, I haven't even oh, bought really? the Battle Pass. I haven't even bought the Battle Pass. Wow. 
I'm not, Proud of you. not a I sour. thought you might have because you have been playing this game hard out. I really have. Um, and I almost bought, they had the um, pineapple grenades, but uh, I didn't. I, I, I'm actually more sad that I missed that <laughs> than uh, having self-control and not buying it. So, um, but yeah, loving Halo. I will play the story when they release co-op. Because I think I'd love to play it um, co-op instead of solo. Yeah, you got a you got a five-ish month wait on that one. That's fine. Sadly, love and love and multiplayer plus Destiny's Destiny Two, um, which expansion is going to be coming out. So that's mm. going to take up some time. Uh, next one, Hades. Everyone raved about this game, and it's kind of the game style to me. I just didn't understand. I'm like, how could a game with this kind of game style um, be so popular how could everyone like it how can it be so amazing and then i played it and i went oh i get it this is a great game it's fun once again fast paced um no bs no downtime lovely story great character design voice acting as well and music it was great um totally understand why everyone loved playing hades it's a great game haven't finished it probably won't i'm not that good at it um but (laughs) but it was great i i enjoy i i'm crap at it but i still enjoyed my time so that's the true markings of a great game Um, i think that's a fair way to describe those types of games too like you can you can say it's one of the best games you've played even if you haven't finished it just based off the the temperature check and the gut check right where exactly if you loved it but maybe it got a bit tough and you need to put it down for a while doesn't mean it's not a good game doesn't mean you can't grade it accordingly yeah just because your shit doesn't mean the game's shit so Mm -hmm. yeah Good experience with that one. Strangeland was a nice little surprise indie that kind of came up. Uh, point and click adventure. Uh, great little story. Maybe even if it was a little predictable at some times. But wonderful art design, um, story and everything. Uh, then Timberborn, which was my city builder with beavers. Uh, it sounds stupid, but it was actually a lot of fun to play. And then we also had Unpacking. Um Mm-hmm. Little... the indie darling of the year yeah. as awarded by the 8-bit nation exactly right and um for me it was just a really perfect um chill game because like things had been getting a bit stressful with um at that point in time especially with like also assignments and everything so it was really nice to have a game to like relax to to chill to and that was like the perfect game for me especially with getting everything all perfect and situated so um that was a fun one uh f- forza horizon five like (laughs) talk about taking me out of my comfort zone and proving me wrong on my like stickler ways as a person that hated racing car driving games forza horizon like knocked me off my feet i absolutely love that game obviously it doesn't fit the same kind of criteria as most driving games it was a bit more open a bit more you know open world a bit more um less more linear arcade-y. yeah yeah less linear kind of thing um it was great i absolutely adored my experience i loved buying all my shitty looking cars and just driving <laughs> them around um did playing you see, the doom um, theme yeah did you see it just got awarded uh ign's game of the year i didn't actually it's so mm. nice to see that it's actually getting that acknowledgement um, I definitely think it actually probably met a good criteria to actually fit in that space, but it seems like maybe because of what type of game it was, maybe it wasn't acknowledged as much as being a game of contender, but mm. yeah, um, I loved I think, it. I think it deserves the praise. Like, I think it does, especially if you, you got me it, to like, play it and like it. Yeah. It's a miracle. If, if, if Miss Hart gives it the rubber stamp, then, uh, you, you got to stand up and take notice. Like 
it's so fun. And I'm happy that you finally got around to experiencing one of these, not only Forza games, but the Horizon sub subsect of it because mm. it is a bit more arcadey, a bit more fun, a bit more co-op oriented where you can just join a join a convoy and just start running roughshod around Mexico and doing crazy jumps and, and crazy races and just having a crazy old time in, in an assortment of very unique vehicles. Yeah, it was lots of fun. I I, mm. I can't believe I actually now enjoy a car game. Yeah. Hell froze over. Uh, and the last one is Raji, an ancient epic, um, a little indie platform adventure game. Um, I, I, we saw it way back when. It was like maybe an indie event or maybe it was like an Xbox indie event, if I remember correctly. And the style and the storytelling really caught my attention. And then obviously it got released on Game Pass. So then, the, you know, there was no loss in giving this game a try. And I really enjoyed it. The story is lovely and the gameplay is relatively accessible. Um, and yeah, and the stage design is just beautiful. So um, that was another one that kind of like surprised me. So um, yeah, those are my my favorite games of the year. Yeah, I I'm in I'm in agreement with a lot of those. Like Psychonauts Two by Double Fine is a must play for 2021. You need to get your hands on it, listeners. It is so great and very unlike a lot of the games that came out from a from a tonal perspective. You know, it might be might be a platformer with a, some you know quirky characters but like some of the depths and just the emotion that is conveyed and the real themes that is showcased throughout this game continuously is really 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 well done like the storytelling team there at double fine knocked it out of the park hey uh halo yeah the multiplayer phenomenal absolutely adored it the campaign awesome as well I, I am not patient enough to wait until next year to play it co-op. I've mm. uh, slapped through that in single player and loved this new direction as far as this open world sandbox that they're working with in this Halo world now, making it a little bit more fun and a little bit more flexible as far as what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? You mm. know, Just point your Master Chief in that direction and, and go explore, which is awesome. Uh, some other indies I wanted to shout out, Death's Door by Acid Nerve oh, yeah. and uh, published by Devolver. Really, really great on a lot of people's Game of the Year award listings and, and has won a lot of awards. Really, really like the art style. We do have a Death's Door spoiler cast on the Hunger Gamers RSS feed that you can check out for further detail on that. Also wanted to shout out Kina. Oh, Bridge yeah, Spirits. Kina, yeah. Yeah, by Ember Labs and uh, then published by Sony little indie gem by a small team debut game gorgeous challenging at times but fun and rewarding and i was just smiling throughout this game just with the the cute cute characters and then the challenging bosses Yeah. yeah the little rots and then the customization of your little rots like it's so good, and I'm very excited to see what Ember Labs has in store for the future. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I put this next one in indies or AAA, and this is Returnal mm-hmm. by Housemark, who are an indie studio but have since now been acquired by Sony. So it sort of sits in the middle. It straddles both lines, mm-hmm. uh, but really, really great. Like Similar to what you said with Hades, like it's difficult and it's very challenging. Like That sort of roguelite style of game is a punish and I don't usually play a lot of those styles but Returnal just with this world like this science fiction HR Giga alien type of homage with the 
creatures and the aesthetic and the vibe you know that sort of got that 80s vibe to it as well with just the colors and the just the animations mm, it was so good like it was tough but i loved it and it's pretty much my game of the year i'd say as far as things i've experienced wow. i loved it and it's very unlike me to jump into this type of genre and and take it out like i'm usually a big narrative big open world rpg type of guy yeah. uh trigger witch is another one we wanted to shout out of course yeah. done by our friends at Rainbite. really enjoyed that twin stick shooter bullet hell cuteness overload with an absolute bucket load of violence and um yeah really really fun as far as triple a's i also wanted to give a bit of love to death loop Obviously, mm-hmm. it is the the Eight Bit Nations game of the year for the twenty twenty one biddies done by Arcane and Bethesda. Um, one of the one of the quotes we we sort of read in the biddies where it was like a thinking person shooter. I agree because uh, you know there's there's abilities and ways to go about things, and you need to perfect how you're going to kill all these people in your twenty four hour loop. You know you've got to set your scheduling and work out, okay, these people are going to be over there so I can get them in the morning, then the, the noon and the afternoon. Like you've got a very finite period of time to to break the loop. And uh, really cool, really, really slick game. Voice acting was awesome. The art style was great. The abilities and the weapons, all of those things. We do have a death loop spoiler cast you can check out as well on this feed. So uh, give that a peek when you can. Um, another game... That I want to mention, we also have a spoiler cast on is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart by Insomniac, and then mm-hmm. obviously uh, Sony exclusive. One of the best platform formers I've played in a good long time. It was and good. It was just fun, and it had some heart, and it was challenging at times, but challenging, you know, not not too challenging to sort of break the enjoyment. No. Like uh, it made you think, but you could still just cruise around and and, and enjoy this world and just soak in the gorgeousness of this universe or universes and uh obviously we saw rivet uh co-win the uh character of the year award uh, right. in the biddies so uh yeah she was very well received uh voiced by jennifer hale and the last game i wanted to touch on as far as favorite things we've played and that's marvel's guardians of the galaxy yeah this game surprising i had <laughs> Yeah, I had very, very, very low expectations of this game when it was announced and showcased. I thought it was going to be an absolute turd of a game. And my God, could I be more further from the truth with that that statement. This is one of the best games of the year. Like It's a coin toss for me as far as game of the year. Like there's Returnal, there's Deathloop, and then there's Guardians for me is probably my three. Yeah. And depending on how I'm feeling... At the minute, it could change slightly, but Guardians was so good. One of the best Marvel stories told on a screen in years. The characters were great. They really, really uh, canvassed and and sort of developed this relationship with the Guardians and and filling out their backstory about how they came to be. And, you know, they're, they're, they're like a broken family. Like, they're all hurting and they're all damaged, but they've all come together to find themselves again and sort of seeing how that happens and then the obviously the overarching story that that plays out with this game is so good it's um it's the best marvel game i've played since spider-man like it's one of the best marvel games of all time it's not a high bar there's a lot of dud out there but this one deserves your time and your respect 
and your money. If if you you're looking for some you know some games to play over the holiday season, that list that Ali and I have just sort of rattled off. There's so many very unique experiences between that indie and triple A route that you cannot go wrong. Like there's something for everybody, and we've just touched on like five percent of the games that have released this year that are probably worth your time so uh it's been a good year for game and miss heart plenty of things to play and plenty of things we've loved absolutely spoiled for games very lucky very very lucky and um yeah that's uh that brings us to the end of the the topics i guess you could say for episode 268 our favorite things of 2021 miss heart anything else you want to say or want to riff about before we uh, formally close up the Hungry Studio for the rest of the year? Yeah, I guess like as we head into the new year, we kind of like think about our New Year's resolutions. And I mean, got to be honest, like with there's quite a few things on this list that I obviously haven't experienced, so anime being one of them. So I'm wondering if maybe something from this list of yours, I should probably give a watch in the new year and give it a try. Maybe I will mm. watch one of these animes hell yeah hell yeah we can we can talk and work out which one is going to be the one for you miss hart yes. there's plenty out there and maybe i can do the same maybe i can peek through this list of yours and, and grab one of these tv shows or games like timberborn could be something up my alley potentially maybe. so uh maybe i can give that a go or strange land i remember you gushing about that game in an earlier thc episode this year Loved very it. very unique point and clicker that uh yeah, thinks it could be my speed. And you said it was a bit of a shorter one too. Yeah, it didn't take me long to play it. It was it was a few hours. Okay. Okay. But uh yeah, Ape Nation, this brings us to the official end of THG for twenty twenty one. Uh yeah, as as we've sort of mentioned at the start of the episode, we'll be back in January sometime. We haven't got a fixed date yet, but we're just sort of working on some things behind the scenes as far as plans for twenty twenty two. Uh, content that's coming out, content that might not be returning, best platforms to get us on. We're, we're trying to to make it a bit more, uh, you know, listener listener facing or, or a bit more nation facing, I guess you could say. We want to be want to be more present, want to be more visual. So we'll try and do more video or, or um, you know stuff like this, whether it be on streams or we do more stuff on social media where you can see our mugs as well as the rest of the crew. If you want to. Just, if you want to. If you don't, that's fine too. You know, our faces aren't for everybody, but uh, our content certainly is. Except uh, except for not for kids for some of the things we talk about, that's for sure. <laughs> sorry, Dane. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, little Bo and the rest of the your, your beautiful kids. But uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of THG for 2021. Miss Hart has been an absolute pleasure to be riding shotgun here with you for another year. We're moving into the seventh season of The Hungry Gamers. Crazy. uh, In very fitting Hungry Gamer fashion, our first episode for 2022 will be episode 269. Nice. So maybe maybe we can have some fun with that somehow. But uh, yeah, 8-Bit Nation... Thanks for your continued support. Thanks for your interactions. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your subscriptions, your shares, your positive words, your constructive criticism and feedback. We love it all. We continue to take it all on board and try and grow this this show and grow this platform with yourselves in mind because without you guys and gals out there, you know, we, we'd just be a couple of people shouting into, into the ether on microphones. So we appreciate every single one of you all. Hopefully you stay safe and happy this holiday season. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, we wish you nothing but the best. But mm-hmm. until next time, 8-Bit Nation, much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.